But then like we didn't do it a night and people were like, hey, hey you didn't do the poo poo pee pee thing. Like what the hell? What is up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in again. This is the Scope Exposure Podcast. Um, today's episode is one that has a lot of connection points. And the first connection point is, uh, you know, I talk a lot about the awesome producer of the show, Jordan. Um, Jordan's been the right hand for a lot of Scope stuff uh, in, in the last many years. And uh, Jordan uh, went down to Snow and Flare Fest and kind of was the the lead uh person because unfortunately unfortunately i wasn't able to attend myself so he was handling the leadership of all the filming and everything uh also shout out to adam who helped him um second cam and when he came back from that trip we were talking about you know top sets that we should uh release and i was like and uh, a name on the you know the top five bands was a scrailer grind i'm like oh okay that's a i haven't heard that name before but like yeah, I'm gonna. I'm excited to look at the footage, and then a couple of weeks go by. I start to see more and more recommend. Maybe this is my phone listening to uh, you know my Facebook conversations with Jordan. Um, but I started to see a Squale Grind uh, reels that started to get pushed to me, and I was like, oh, okay, I I kind of understand this a little bit more. And then the one video that kind of pushed me over the edge, and I was like, I need to reach out to this band. Is a Squale Grind was doing a pee pee poo poo chant. And seems to be doing that at a number of shows. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. I need to talk. So I'm very, very excited today to be welcoming Katarina uh, from Escuela Guy. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. And that was great. Yeah, I'm glad the, the PPE jokes put you over the edge. That was uh, <laughs> it's <real>. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I just turned 30 uh, uh, like a week ago. And, you know, a good PP poo-poo joke um, still, still does it for me. So that helps um, <laughs> keep things. Um, but like the jokes aside, um, I got to listen to your new record um, front to back today. And um, I think that there's, I think Escuela Grind is one of those bands that's breaking into new markets um with the way you guys are marketing yourself but also at the end of the day having a really good product for people to find and a, a large catalog of music as well so before we chat about anything music wise uh katarina we need to check some bevs so it's tradition for the guests to go first so tell me what you're going to be sipping on for the episode awesome okay so caveat this is not to promote any specific brands. I love all seltzer equally. So today I am enjoying a bubbly. This is a, a brand that is probably everywhere in the United States now. It's all right. It's good. It's uh it's strawberry. Strawberry yep. today. Mm -hmm. So the thing okay. that they do different that I appreciate about them, and this is so small and so stupid, it means nothing, but they like print little words on the Oh, <laughs> on the... I, I don't think I even <laughs> noticed that. <laughs> I don't even know why that matters to me, but I'm like, you know what? Yeah. So it was on sale this week too. That also matters. That, to me. So that also matters. 
<laughs> very cool. Yeah. 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 One. Go ahead. Um, yeah. I think <laughs> bubbly is interesting because I've kind of publicly talked shit about them on this podcast and I had to walk it back a little bit for myself because <laughs> bubbly, even though it's not my go-to sparkling water of choice, it is yeah, the entry point for so many people when it comes to getting into the more um nerdier sparkling waters i should say i had a good friend of mine um his name is blaine he plays in a band called spirit of vengeance and he's like on on his episode he was like i got some sparkling waters to to showcase to you stuff that i haven't even heard about and like my twitter handle is bevcheck god so i need to be on in in the know of everything um so uh great choice um i'm gonna have to check uh check the the wording i didn't that's a detail i don't think i've even picked up on before (laughs) yeah right Mm -hmm. oh and i have to i have to okay so i do have to shout out one brand because it's like our local you know like rep your rep your hometown sort of shit but yes polar polar is the worcester massachusetts oh my god (laughs) (laughs) when when we mentioned polar the dogs are just super excited yeah Yeah. polar worcester massachusetts they got every kind of seltzer you can imagine Mm -hmm. there are some Um, diehard polar fans um especially uh there there's been a lot of uh guests who have come on from the new jersey kind of area that they swear by it oh yeah you do polar too down there Mm -hmm. huh yeah so um, I have two beverages um, that I would like to showcase. One is similar to yours, and one is a total, well, similar for another reason. So I also have a sparkling water, which is a Aha ra- Raspberry Acai. Um, so I'm going to be drinking that. Um, feeling a little dehydrated today, so I needed to bring that. But this next Bev, this is the one... I'm going to start it out with, and I've been waiting for a good podcast to do so. And it's similar to yours because of the flavor, not off the kind of Bev. So this is called, and again, I've never had this before. So this is the, this is the game of the Bev check as, as far as the um, um, going into the unknown. So this is Country Time <laughs> Strawberry Lemonade. Nice. It's like, it's everything that is Minute Made, but country time I it, like so. they just the logo <laughs> on the wood paneling in the back i noticed mm. that i feel like yeah yeah it's, okay uh, here we go it here we go i i have to do a smell test but i'm gonna cheers you in a second here i'm i this has been in the fridge for a few weeks so i i again it, i've been this is the the silver bullet in the chamber but uh katarina cheers to you really excited to do this podcast with you Cheers, my friend. Thank you Absolutely. very much. <laughs> Andrew. Okay. Um, initial impressions. <laughs> a very yeah. sugary strawberry lemonade, um, but tasty. Nice. Yeah. So that's uh, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. There's there's definitely be some sometimes where the first sip is okay and then it gets worse throughout. So I'll update you if it's really going south. But obviously we've we've checked enough enough about bevs um let's talk music so um katarina any new guest that comes here on the show i always like to get a bit of their origin story when it comes to heavy music hardcore uh grind however you want to spin it so take me back to like the first time that you were hearing someone scream a breakdown uh 
distorted guitars, however you want to spin it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I kind of, I'm from a small town. We talked a little bit about this earlier uh, when we were chatting, but I'm from a super small town in Mass Western Massachusetts. And uh, I kind of grew up on, on the more rural side of town and uh, I'm an only child. So it was a uh, lonely, lonely times. Uh, so I've always kind of uh, talked about how I found heavy music because I wanted a community of people. Like I knew I liked this kind of stuff because I had heard of like Converge. I'm from Massachusetts and everyone my age, like that was yeah. their gateway band, like in a lot of ways. So I really fucking really like Converge. And my best friend likes stuff uh, that was heavier too. Like she liked Kill Switch and like some of the like scene bands that were out at that time too. This is like 2004 to six, let's say is the mm -hmm. time frame. Yeah. So I was 13 to 15. Um, yeah. So, uh, so we had each other, but uh, we didn't really have like a community. So, uh, and since we're from a small town, there wasn't too many local shows. There was, but like we were kind of young and, and, and it was hard to find about about shows back then, uh, you know, because we didn't have the internet things that we have today. So we, we had some of it, but not a lot. So mm -hmm. if you didn't have someone in town that, you know, was flyering and if the weather was bad and the flyers came down and they didn't go put up new ones, mm -hmm. yeah. like you had to have like maps on the flyers and shit just to like find out where you were supposed to go. Right. A lot of the times, especially up here in the North, it was, you know, someone's basement, some pawn shop, some skate park, you know, right. all that's general DIY stuff that we have around here. So yeah, it was, uh, it was um, in my early years, it was a lot of like, like researching and researching from what we could in those days online of like bands and who was out. I talked uh, on a, I did another uh, interview today and I talked about like the Hellfest DVDs and how important mm -hmm. those were to us and like going and renting music DVDs from Blockbuster and stuff and like the library. Oh my God. Like, I don't, I don't know if kids are still like influenced by the library or like going there to like get music and, and take out stuff. But it was uh, definitely a, a way for me to get a lot of music back then. I'm sure it is for people to enjoy actual albums and records now. So mm -hmm. yeah, you can take out a library card in the States and like uh, if any library has it, basically they'll get it to you. So if there's like this obscure album that one library in the country has like there's a way you can probably get it to yours and check it out and feel the record and you know and stuff like that and yeah. tapes and cd that's a that's a I pretty big life hack just because you know like a lot of people would talk about like um certain record stores where they would go pick up cds and look at all the different oh, fans yeah. of but i like the idea of hey you don't have money go to a local library and just be like hey do you have this cd do you have like this terror album uh, or anything like that sure. and then to, to see about like, that <laughs> network so yeah the the accessibility like of hardcore has always been a, a huge uh has always been necessary to get people into it so like i love the idea of of uh of hacking your local library to get records that uh that that you love i sure. think that's sick <laughs> thanks yeah that was uh 
it's what we had back then, but it's also like still valuable now in a lot of ways. And there's like, I, I mean, not to like get so off talking about the library, but for <laughs> it, it, it ties when I was a kid, like, you know, having all these different interests and having a lot of feelings at once, a lot of them being angry. And like, for, for me, that was like visual art and music that I got into it. But like, I found out a lot about a lot of music at the library. I was able to like, now you can like 3D print stuff at the library if you like go, it's crazy. Right. So like anything you want to foster. And if like, just thinking back to that time, I think that was a really big part of it that I didn't really realize until just now. Right. Yeah. So um, I, I want to, I also think it's worth mentioning, like, you know, if, if you're from, from from the area that you are like converge is like the the given band that i'm sure was kind of your like local hometown hero kind of thing and like for myself like i grew up in um in winnipeg manitoba canada which is like dead center of canada and that ba that local band for me was comeback kid and they got to see oh, Comeback yeah, Kid, hi. you know when it was like post scott wade and then i got to see the 10 uh, tenant around anniversary where he came back to do vocals and now in time i've been able to befriend a lot of those members through this podcast and my own band um so like w you know obviously later in the convo we're going to be talking about your new record and getting to work with kurt Palou, and i'm sure that's a very full circle moment but how <laughs> vital was it to have a a local band that was scaling to a to a degree that that Converge did and, and still is like, I feel like they're one of those legacy acts. Um, but yeah. did that help inspire you when it came to like wanting to play music or were you just in awe of anything that was happening? Yeah. Um, so I guess I have to preface it by saying that like, especially back then, cause I was so young and I didn't have a car or anything like that. Converge was on the other side of the state for us. So which is like only two and a half hours away, but it's like, it felt like a whole other world. So like, sure. okay. yeah, you're like, from Boston and like I rep Boston because I'm from Massachusetts, but like I barely would go there, like rarely went there for shows until I got a car and stuff when I was late, sure. like 18, 19. So, um, so it was like, it was cool to see it happening, but it also felt very distant. And in Western Mass, it's like Appalachian Mountains. So there's like the scenes are like spread apart. And um, it was, they didn't, the communication wasn't as good as it is now. But um, like we had for our local scene, if you could even call it that, because we were even an hour far away from that, like Killswitch Engage was there. Um, uh, let's see who else from like, everyone talks to like the Pixie like they talked about western mass a lot so like it's a it's a it's a strange thing that somewhere so small could feel so distant so i i guess that might have influenced a, a, a little bit about how i felt like it felt so out of reach like they they were like rock stars like like for me like growing up like motley crew level like rock stars and they're like just the coolest coolest guys like and to know some of them now is just like, it's like, wow, I built this up in my head to be such a uh, monumental feat to like have a band and, uh, and and do well and get on big festivals and put out art and stuff. And I, I built it up in my head when I was that age to be so um, impossible for myself right. um, that 
now to like have some small taste of like touring and and getting on festivals and recording with people you really respect it's like wow it's nice it's like you can do that yeah yeah I I definitely think there's a there's always a degree of like imposter syndrome where it's like am I allowed like should I be getting these things but at the same time like whether it's like me getting a high level guest for this podcast or my band getting to do something like I have people that knew me from like when it was like ground zero level work where it's like, no, you work towards those things. Um, and at the same time, like, I do think that there is a, um, you know, I do appreciate hearing when people like yourself are getting these opportunities and they still feel they're, they're humbling themselves enough to realize that like, Hey, like that, that isn't owed. That isn't something that should just like fall in my lap. I did work for it, but I'm still appreciative that we even, um, you know, the stars aligned because I th- I would rather work and and align myself with those people than people that just assume that they're in some hype band and they get to play X Fest every year. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, comes down to uh, how much you want to be there. You know, really like. Uh, if it's it's hard for you to get there, if it feels like it's impossible for you to get there, once you get to your goal, it's like, I, I don't know, for me, it's like, how bad do you want to stay there? Mm-hmm. And was it? And uh, is it uh, as good as you thought it was? And if it's not as good as you thought it was, what can you do to make it sort of a thing? Yeah, it's really vague. Yeah. But it's, it's <laughs> also you. like that classic trope where it's like, it's not about the um the the destination it's about the journey and like that's something like you know um (laughs) like i've been doing scoped now for five and a half years and i feel like any new destination that we hit there's always a a desire like how can we keep growing and so you know being able to just enjoy the process of at least trying uh for a band but i do agree that like it doesn't take much um you know something that's wild to me is like Sometimes I like to go to the very back of someone's Instagram and then kind of like do a uh, a comparison arc of like, you know, and a lot of people delete yeah. and archive a lot of shit. But for you, it was interesting. <laughs> also, by the way, your oh, Instagram oh, no. handle is, uh, I didn't know uh, uh, Lucifer was straight edge. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got in with the early and I've had yes, that Instagram very much so that's a high value straight edge Instagram <laughs> handle I've probably been on that since like 2011 or 12 or something like yeah. that at least it's you protect it's, I that can't, I can't imagine what you found in the back of my I don't think it's a lot but yeah. um there is I I uh a past <laughs> job of mine we interviewed someone who's um he's like he came from hardcore but now he's like a oxford university like professor and his twitter <laughs> name is straight edge nice and i was like good Dude. for him <laughs> round of applause <laughs> so uh shout out to nathan lane if you're listening but um anyways uh what i was gonna say is the very first ig post as far as the time recording this i don't know if you're like oh maybe i should go back and clean up some of my early instagram (laughs) posts but the earliest one that i could find is you taking a uh a photo at a napon death show and being like i love this band um and then fast forward and that was 2013 and we're recording this interview in 2023 and y'all have announced that you're playing shows with them so that's like that wasn't 
that's a 10 year <laughs> transformation. Nice. Yeah. That's uh, that puts it all into perspective. Uh, I just, I fucking love that band. I can't, I can't say it in any other way. They're so uh, influential on what we do, influential on music period. I mean, like they, they, made the map for so much of what so many of us do that like in order like it's just such an honor to get to play with them like i've been manifesting it for a long time <laughs> but uh but i we just love them so much and uh i'm, I'm so stoked to go on tour next month yeah. in the in europe with them. yeah and drop dead too i mentioned converge but drop dead is also in that equation of local quote-unquote local two hours away but they're from providence mm -hmm. and uh drop dead was probably the most influential heavy still hardcore punk power violence whatever you wanted to call it back then too and like the message and stuff like i'm not vegan I'm vegetarian i'm tribe always but like the 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 message of the band is like so clear with everything too and back mm. then like that was i don't know just drop dead is definitely a part of the equation of, of of how heavy music has evolved here on the east coast new england in specific so like hats off shout out to them yeah bravo yeah yeah <laughs> and i i guess like that was an earlier thing i wanted to ask but i felt like it, it was important to bring it up this early because i think it is important for people listening they can get lost in like the monthlies, the, um, the, 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 the measuring, um, arcs that are just too like, um, like minor and not major. And I think it's cool to be like, if you're playing in a dope band and you, and trying to think about what can we do in five years, not just what can we do this year? And like really yeah. trying to like, you know, put your money where your mouth is and like, you know, go out and play shows and like put yourself out there. Um, and, you know, it doesn't take much um, that I've seen with so many bands who do that even just for a year at a at a level of intensity. And it like changes shit for their entire lives. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, so we've talked a little bit about like some of the local stuff. What was like the main inspiration piece um for you wanting to start to play music or was that always something that was embedded in you when you were growing up hmm. Hmm. i mean i always had a desire for to for the arts in general um i was like my parents aren't musical at all or artsy at all or anything so it wasn't anything i picked up from from them per se, but like I was always around arts, music, and theater. Just where we are um, here in Massachusetts, it's like a big hub for like the hoity-toity arts. So like we have two really famous museums here that have like world-class stuff in it. So like when you grow up seeing that and seeing like, anyways. So I I so I always thought I was uh, visually. Um, that was kind of like my path for a lot of my young adult life. But music, I, I really, really wanted to be good at music. I was like really, really stubborn about it. I, I tell a story sometimes, but it's like kind of embarrassing that like we started, you know, you pick an instrument when you're in public school and, and you start with that and you learn how to read music that way and stuff. And uh, 
I picked the clarinet because my best friend picked the clarinet and I also had one for my uncle. So that's what I picked. And uh, for two years, I like I was just not understanding how to read music. Like it was not clicking with me. And so I was just watching what my best friend was doing with her fingers and memorizing it and then playing it. And then oh, like interesting. watching her do it. And I wouldn't admit that I didn't know how to read music. Like, <laughs> and then like band teacher called me like he, years later being like do you not know like do you not know how to read music and he's like well how have you been playing this whole time I was right. like yeah so so then I learned how to read music and I was just super stubborn about it. I was just so stubborn about like like I can do this I can learn how to play this it does not come easy for me or naturally like in a lot of ways um singing singing is the same like clean singing uh what I do for a squilla never come easy I won't say it's natural at all because it's just not for me I had to like hone what I wanted to do. And I don't even still feel like I'm, I'm there. Uh, learning how to scream was, uh, I didn't, I don't think I did it right or the, the way that you're supposed to without, uh, killing your voice until like probably a year ago. Mm. Um, so, so that was, um, so maybe I can't point to a specific, like, album or concert or or, or um, artist that kind of pushed me towards music I think it was just that I always really wanted to play instruments and I, I was really stubborn about like being competent in it and, and not trying to be like I would be like I had dreams of like shredding and shit you know what I mean but like sure. as long as I could learn like power chords that was like proving something to me you know mm. so so being really persistent with it even when it wasn't easy so yeah no that's very interesting <laughs> like the just the openness of like this doesn't come naturally to me but I'm so obsessed of like wanting to figure it out is that just a level of yeah. like I'm just and, and and I'm just trying to dissect it in a way is like is were you trying to do that stuff on the on the clarinet side or even on the band stuff off of like I want to be a part of you know this the the orchestra band or just like the regular band and I will you know to my dying breath like figure out how to do it or was it something that's more in your brain of being able to like see something through I'm just kind of curious on that I think it's both things with with instruments for sure like I want to I want to be with the band I want to be be good I also want to prove to myself that I can do it and I'm very like I don't know what the word is but when you're like hyper focused on on stuff if I, I hyper focus and I like have to get it done like point A to B right but when I was growing up I was I was like young young I would do like musicals and and plays and stuff at school and I was always singing in the choir and stuff so so that felt natural for like to to be theatrical and put on a production, I guess you could say that included music. That that was kind of something that was always there more towards. Uh, but with instruments and, and writing music and stuff, it was all about being a part of the part of the whole. Sure. 
Yeah, and I guess like uh, you you mentioning earlier, you being an only child, I'm sure that might be even more amplified off of like I don't want to be alone and like not understanding how to play the clarinet, so I'm gonna memorize um, the movements here. Um, but I, it's interesting that you bring up the you know the musical theater side of things because that's something that I don't well a haven't heard that ever come up on the podcast, but never really <laughs> thought about. Um, how that is and and can be used in in a live setting for for any kind of band doesn't matter if it's a hardcore band or a yeah. grindcore band just because there are so many bands that i see and love musically but seeing them live is like like painstakingly boring just because you know certain <laughs> people don't want to move around certain people just don't give to like the performance side of things and that's mm -hmm. always at least for me has been something where it's like a certain guitar player a drummer or a vocalist will catch my eye and they're the only ones that i'm watching like i'm mm -hmm. listening to the music as a whole but i'm watching them because their their mm -hmm. uh musicianship is on point but also just like the way that they sell it is that much more so that's very interesting to me yeah i mean uh if it's two things that I've done in my life that have prepared me to be a front person, it is doing musicals as a small child and uh, being a server at a restaurant and bar. Like those two things, like being able to look people in the eye, being able to uh, kind of uh, sell, sell something, I guess, in a way, like you want to sell the, the, the performance, the emotion that you've written into the songs, like whether it be through lyrics or like, you know, I don't care if you're an instrumental band and stuff, you can still sell the emotion that you had writing the right. songs and, and theatricality, I guess, if you want to call it that is like, it's absolutely what we do. I mean, shit, everyone just went and saw Merciful Fate and Midnight and then that package, like what could be more, spectacular and theatrical than that and it's mm -hmm. like uh and, and it doesn't have to be crazy it doesn't have to be like a like a big level production but like what you said if there's an artist like one member out of the band that's playing with that emotion and you can see it it's like infectious to watch so totally. yeah and 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 like the whole like selling it aspect is like um also knowing that not everyone is going to buy into it, but you're still selling it. You can't oh, deny sure. that like that you're showing up and you're, you're putting on something that it's like either take this or, or leave this. And I think that's a huge thing um, for, for people. It's like, I would rather put on a killer ass sh show with any project that I do and have people mm -hmm. either love it and they become lifelong fans or there's people that are like, I hate that. And they just like, just like fade away into the ethos. Yeah. Yeah. And like, even, even taking that aspect further, like, I guess like for me, a lot of the time, like we, and on this last record, there was some personal songs. Right. So like, you're not always when you're performing in that same headspace that you are with those emotions that you wrote that song in, and there's this artist who I really like named Samus. Um, she's awesome. She's like a a, a nerdcore rapper. Um, oh, she is she is she named after the Almighty yeah, Samus? Yeah. 
exactly <laughs> so yeah so she's sick. really cool Check it. um but like she talks about like she she wrote these songs and they're her most popular songs but they were about an awful time in her life and awful experiences and they're extremely emotional and like you're in this cool setting of being at a show and now you have to like sell because i said that word earlier but sell the idea that you're suffering over this breakup the you know life accident anything that happened to you in the past or whatever that you there's no way you're gonna get out of the show space into that space so like you have to kind of bring up those emotions again out of nowhere and uh and uh and sort of deliver the message mm -hmm. so yeah and even and it's detrimental sometimes to your head because you're like god i don't i don't want to I don't want to bring that up and, and kill the mood for myself, but uh, it's, it's, you wrote the songs and people resonate with the message. So mm -hmm. you, you have to kind of put yourself there for it. So yeah. that's what Sam was talking about a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I've had other people mention on that subject off of like, as soon as someone else connects with your music off of it, it almost like doesn't become just yours anymore. And it becomes a part of that person as well. So, you know, there are yeah. certain people that are better um, at being able to set emotions aside when they're playing certain songs because they know it's going to mean a lot to play that song for that person. But maybe they wrote those lyrics 10 or 15 years ago. So they're like, I don't like I haven't even thought about the the person that I wrote yeah. the song about or, you know, the the situation that I was in when I wrote that. So um, that's always interesting. Um, so let's talk about like the origin of Escuela Grind. Um, tell me about like, you know, is that your first band? Uh, were you doing a, a number of other bands before? And it was like a side project that kind of morphed into this. Talk to me about that. Um, well, for me, uh, just just me alone, uh, Escuela is my first serious band, uh, Escuela Grind. It was Escuela back then. We got sued. It was stupid. We changed our name to Escuela Grind. That's the short story of it. Um, but yeah, we started out um, in those times we were in Ithaca, New York. Um, I was in school. Our drummer, uh, Jesse was in school as well. Um, and, uh, we, we started, we were doing more of like a fast core thing with our original guitarist, uh, really short fast core power violence, a little grindcore core, uh, influence too, like old school, some tupa tupa parts. So like people called it mints and stuff, but it wasn't <laughs> really mint. But, um, so yeah, we we started doing that like it was real humble humble origins in central new york uh we hit the ground running though we played a lot of shows back then we were like booking shows too um and we were pretty ambitious with that and it was a it was a, a wild ride and uh so we got to play a lot of really cool shows we got to put on a lot of really cool shows and and uh, we moved away from Ithaca, uh, New York, which is in central New York, to where I'm from here, Pittsfield, Mass. And so uh, our new guitarist, Chrissy, who's not our new guitarist, is, this is 2018. So, right. uh, but so our guitarist, Chrissy, was, was new at the time. She lived in Albany, New York, still does, um, which is about an hour, 45 minutes away from here. So that's how we were doing the band um, for a long time. Now we have a bass player. Um, but uh, we uh, we kind of changed our sound around 2018 to be a little bit more uh, grindy, leaning lots of death metal influence, a little bit more hardcore too. Um, 
<laughs> Sorry, I'm getting insulted by my <laughs> The dogs are always welcome. Any avid fan of this show knows there's been dogs barking <laughs> and I have to deal with them. Oh, yeah. So, so the tables have turned, it seems. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, so so we started in New York, fast course stuff, real DIY, dubbing tapes. <laughs> You know, leg as fuck shirts, touring <laughs> in a, a, you know, in a four door car sort of situation with, uh, you know, real uh, DIY beginnings for right. a time, and uh, and with this iteration of us, we uh, kind of broadened ourselves more and are trying to do more musically and I'm definitely trying to do a lot more conceptually now um just because there was just no uh we started the band it was like not purely with intentions to like have this go forever and 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 be like this worldwide touring thing I mean the aspiration was there from us all but like we didn't know what was going to happen um it was just kind of put together because we didn't have any grindcore bands in town really and there was three grindcore kids in town and we all needed to do something so we just got <laughs> it together and just, right yeah so, the, the grindcore like, avengers were there and you know just yeah. had to, you know didn't have to have a nick fury to put the team together <laughs> um so when you moved back um was the moving back and the name change and the genre change kind of all at the same time? Um, fairly close within the same year, but like fairly close in time to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we we graduated. Uh, it's cheaper to live over here. Uh, I have some family here, so uh, it was time to time to time to go. But uh, definitely moving here facilitated practicing with Chrissy, which meant we were writing more together and uh, definitely uh, influenced the sound, uh, the moving. So gotcha. so once Chris, Chrissy was in the picture, like they were bringing in a little bit more of the style that y'all wanted to, to head towards as well. Yeah, I think it's just like a, um, maybe it was just like a paradigm shift in like the shows that we were going to and the basically like, you know, our roots like it was uh just time to to broaden things up and 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 be more allow ourselves to be more <laughs> right right um and and we don't have to hit on this uh a lot because you you give the short version as far as the name change uh goes as far as there's another band that was um threatening to sue <laughs> and it was just like a whole thing and i the only thing that i want to say to that is I think that is a huge tell that your band sucks. If you are yeah, that concerned, <laughs> if your music won't stand on its two feet tall enough that you need to go yeah. and try to do that. Cause every single band who's come on this podcast and I've been in the midst of this myself with my, one of my current projects is someone comes up and is threatening this and I go to check it out. I'm like, this shit sucks. So clearly you're threatened and you're, you're sinking down to like, really like whack um, ways of being able to do that and like I there was a part of me that was like maybe I should go and listen to this band just to see how bad it is but I I won't I didn't even want to give them that so uh, (laughs) yeah so 
that's that's all I wanted to say on that point. Um, but it's interesting that it was kind of around the same time when you're like, okay, what can we do to kind of like dodge this scenario? We can just add grind to our to our name because that's where we're going as well. So I think that was a a smart move um, to help you know yeah. walk that in a little bit. Yeah, truth of the matter was it was already our Instagram handle, so we're like, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, we won't have to change the IG handle, so <laughs> you know we could keep it that way. Um, so. Yeah, that's the thing, um, you know, that you're mentioning, like, humble beginnings, starting in another city, and, you know, it didn't, the, it would be nice to go to do Europe and all these other things, but it wasn't like, we must do this, we need to work our asses off to make sure that happens. Um, but when did, from your perspective, things start to, like, take a shift and be like, whoa, like what's happening here when was the what's happening here moment for you or has that even happened yet yeah I mean it's it's been so like steady along the years and we've just been always doing stuff I mean say for COVID that's a whole other separate thing but like uh, I every milestone we hit in a way I'm like whoa because I just never thought I would be able to do something like this so for me every new thing we experience is that and it has it still continues to be that and i'm looking forward to more of that um but yeah i mean like when we when we started we were we were ambitious but like not like whatever it was gonna be like it was gonna be i mean like some people are are ambitious but they're like hell-bent on this one thing and uh this is stupid. I don't even know if I believe in this shit, but like, you know, like the, the magic shit where it's like, be careful what you for. There's always like a catch, like you'll get what you want, but, but, uh, there's something, something attached. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, if you, if you focus so hard on one thing and you, you, and you don't get it, like what I just, I I don't know. I don't see the point in that in a lot. And I'm a person that worries a lot. So that's something. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, while we were ambitious, it wasn't like we have to do X, Y, and Z, like you said. So, and that too adds on to the, every milestone we hit, it's like a whole new feeling and a new excitement. And, and just now this past year, I've been starting to allow myself to get out of that really, um, you mentioned imposter syndrome mindset, um, earlier. And I don't know if that's exactly what it is, but, um, uh, but like I've allowed myself to kind of come out of that and uh, and uh, start thinking about okay what do, what are what are the new goals that I I, I want to do like my goals were so broad but like we have a platform um, a small platform but a, a platform any measure of the of that is uh, significant uh, so I'm uh, now starting to think about what it is that this needs to uh to do in the future for totally. me uh personally and for the band and 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 uh for happy music too so that's uh new thoughts <laughs> kind of scary yeah I, but, I i think it's it's very again it's i think it's that balancing act of like being ambitious but also being 
you know, grateful if, you know, meteor hits the world tomorrow and not being like, as you're watching it come down and be like, man, I, I'm really pissed. I didn't film that or I didn't play that fest or whatever, like being like stoked at, you know, the, the progress that you made. And I think everybody's got their own specific, um, like I would really like to do X with X band. Oh, yeah. And, you know, sometimes that happens and sometimes that doesn't. And, you know, like I've been able to, like uh like there's been certain guests that i've had on the show that like have really been like you're the you're you're the reason i bought my first guitar because you played it in your band and blah 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 so there's there's always like nice things but i do think that like if you keep things a little broad any other cool opportunity that always is connected to the next thing is like that i feel like comes way more naturally and then it feels like it's an extra surprise because you weren't expecting it. Oh, for sure. Like, I think when you say stuff like that, the one of the first people that comes to mind that's kind of done something like that is that, like, Tommy Wright the third. Like, do you think back in the day in Memphis, he was thinking about that he was going to be playing with a bunch of, like, these heavy bands and have people <laughs> moshing and showing and stuff? Like, all these little white hardcore boys were going to be, like, going crazy for him in 2022. Mm-hmm. Like, but if you remain open to it, as an artist and he's a, a real DIY artist too. So like that helps. But, uh, but like, if you remain open to these things and, uh, appreciate every milestone, like you'll be surprised at what comes out of it. And, and we've had some experience with that too, because we've always, uh, in, with all sorts of different genres, like every genre probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that, um, leaves us open to making friends with, uh, different bands and uh, I'm, I'm not going to poo-poo too much about, you know, grindcore elitists and whatnot. Like, we talk about, talked about that a lot in the past. But, like, to to be so closed-minded about, like, what is acceptable, especially when we're doing extreme music, like, is, defeats the purpose to me, really, honestly. And, and a lot of those types like to... Um, give high praise to something that's intentionally shitty or, you know, like, yeah, we know it sounds like toilet sounds, but that's what makes it good, you know, but then to go around and call something that doesn't fit that mold or isn't in their eyes that authentic or whatever shitty is like, well, what, like you're like, you like shitty now you don't like, I don't know. So (laughs) for, for us, always being open-minded has brought so many great opportunities and, and whatnot. Like we have so many friends now in, in bands that we would have never been asked to play with, or like at a certain point in time, like, you know, they would have never booked a mixed band bill with bands like them, you know, before. And now like we're talking about going on tours and stuff and we're all doing well for each other. Like, and we're nothing really like each other in terms of music, but it, it works and our fans are following each other and like people that like us will go and check them out. And it's like cohesive for some reason. And it's great. So. Yeah. And and it's interesting to see like, um, like definitely a lot of, you know, playing snow and flurry fest is like, there's a lot of like metal or death metal or, or grind bands on on that fest. But like looking at, at your, your, um, at the, at the band instagram there's like definitely like metal heavy tours but yeah. you know like um 
I think I was like just kind of going around when I was prepping for this and, and Chrissy, um, uh, she was posting like one of her top records was the dose release from last year. And I was like, I love dose and I love Derek and like that band is fucking sick. So that's like a, a very cool, unexpected thing. And even just off of the other interviews, um, you know, you, you guys like you work with a uh, friend of the show, Cole, uh, and get all your stuff printed through Printhead, And it's like, it's wild to see like how plugged, you know, I think it just becomes apparent where you don't have to dig very deep to be like, Oh, these people come from the hardcore scene, even though they're not necessarily playing straight up two-step hardcore music but if anything uh i feel like the hardcore scene you know post-pandemic there's been a lot of bands like if you look at hardcore as like an umbrella term that i think a square grind definitely fits under that as far as um the people that are that are connected to it so yeah we definitely i think all of us come from hardcore when i met our drummer i was introduced to them as hardcore jesse so like <laughs> they didn't even have a hardcore band at the time so right. like <laughs> so like i mean i grew up up here we had amazing hardcore in the 90s and early 2000s like mm -hmm. unforgettable shows so much fucking violence like <laughs> insane. Um, i'm sure but like I remember it really fondly. So I, I've always just loved hardcore and I love that now we're being exposed to more hardcore bands, audience fans for lack of better words to call it. But like a big part of that for us was Sonny uh, from hate five, six. Um, he's uploaded our videos in the past, but uh, he came to uh, uh, a couple of our Philly shows and uploaded them more recently. Cause it was, you know, after the pandemic, and uh, for some reason, uh, like a bunch of new people found out about us through that um, and and continue to do so. So mm -hmm. that's that's pretty wild. I love it. I, I yeah. love that. And I love that um, Sonny does that and has given that, that spark to a lot of younger kids, too, to try and do their own version of that because... Uh, Although the I am one the of those. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, the internet democratized it for us to be able to have these shows and whatnot, but um, didn't make our lives easier to handle running a full production um, with no help, basically, right. a lot of the time. So, mm -hmm. so uh, the fact that Sonny can do that is incredible and uh, has grown and, 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 and just one video from Sonny can do so much for, for a band and that's incredible. And we're so grateful uh, for that and grateful for the hardcore kids that come to our shows because they know how to dance. And we like that. Yes. We like that a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. It's uh yeah. Like scoped exposure. Like I wouldn't be sitting in this chair talking to you if Sonny uh, wasn't doing what he's doing. Like um, Hell yeah. he really inspired me and scoped originally started as me just filming uh, bands locally um and then obviously evolved and started this podcast um but it's very interesting um that you say that because like uh, uh the only band in western canada where i live that has that converge kind of influence subtly is and and i hope that after this uh and anyone listening should go check out uh this band as well if you haven't is a band called false body 
False Body is from uh, a city just two and a half hours north of me. Um, they don't really do as much like touring as they do like maybe just uh, a couple regional things, but anytime I would upload a set of theirs because they would be playing so much um, pre or post COVID. And um, anytime they're like Michelle, their vocalist or Lee, their guitar player would always message being like, I don't know why, but every single time it's like there's four to five to 20 people that are finding out about it through your channel and, uh, and doing it that oh, way. So, awesome. um, yeah, so quick plug, plug to them. Um, so yeah, but it, it is interesting too, because like I, I look back and, and there's lots of past videos that, um, that, uh, that Sonny had, had done for you guys, but it seems like this after post COVID era of the band is where things are really, really picking up so let's fast forward a little bit to the the record that yeah. that y'all put out at the very end of last year um memory theater which yeah i don't know if you know this but i realized when i was typing things out um canadians spell theater differently r-e r-e yes that's so how i was I just like to spell it <sighs> and i like had to like <laughs> that's add how the i word. spell it too i don't know why i don't know why i spell it that way but i do and um, the artist spelled it E-R, and I was just like, eh, we'll leave it like that. <laughs> sure, why not? Basically. Um, so and, uh, so uh, you, you recorded that record with Kurt Ballou, and like we were talking about a little bit earlier as far as that full circle aspect of being able to work with, um, you know, the the Boston rock stars, as, as you said. So, um, the record came out, uh, at the end of last year, but I'm sure like the prep and the recording time, like it was a whole long thing, but what have you been most excited about since putting that out and being able to, to play those songs live now? Yeah. Um, I mean, that was, that was a COVID album. We all lived, me, Christy and Jesse lived together during COVID and, uh, we pretty much wrote the whole, almost all of it during that time and uh we really we we demoed a lot and uh, edited the songs a lot and we were focused on um really seeing how we could compose the songs to manipulate people to dance like it was like how can we make people move in this part and like that was a big that was a big focus of a lot of the composition for it. And they can speak more to that than I can because I didn't write the songs. I just did the vocal patterns and the lyrics. But like we were uh, watching videos almost every day of like other bands that we liked and shows. And we were just like so focused on the show aspect and how they would sound live. So now to be able to play them live to the audience that we were like envisioning in our minds a lot of the times. Uh, it's just like it's it's like you're manifesting it into reality in a, in a really cool way. So like to be able to play songs off of Memory Theater when we went over to um, uh, Czech Republic and played Obscene Extreme, that was like a huge milestone for us as a band. Like that festival is like that was like I've always just wanted to go and think I would be able to play and then to experience it in that way and have people going absolutely fucking crazy at 1 30 in the afternoon like it was it was just so great and to like play those songs and see them resonate with people that probably don't even speak our language and like have never heard of us before you know it's just it's it was amazing amazing yeah um with uh you know 
you guys have had a, a few re- releases beforehand. Um, what were there any songs lyrically or vocally like that were really challenging for you to record? Because like Kurt Ballou is someone that I looked up to uh, immensely. Like uh, he hasn't been on this show specifically, but I used to work for a podcast where we had him on as a guest, and he's he he nice. is a wise ass dude. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I wow. would, I I would always feel like man if I go record this album and I'm not showing up the way that I want to, I'm going to be fucking like, you know, I know that I'm, you know, yeah. I'm working with that person, but I'm curious if you had any moments like that, anything that you want to share on, on that front. I mean, that question is better asked to probably Chrissy, our guitar player who sat and recorded uh, multiple layers of guitar tracks by herself and the bass too. And uh, <laughs> that was like her first like studio, studio, uh, experience and with Kurt who's also an influence on her so like that was pretty intense and we had a very narrow window to do it in but like I, I, I people ask me about Kurt a lot because like everyone loves him and like God City is like practically legendary at this point so oh, definitely um, is yeah I will I will say I will say this about it was very daunting uh to go in and record with Kurt. However, when you're there and uh, if you appreciate his way of doing things, he's super easygoing uh, to be around and he's cracking jokes and like he has a, a, a very specific sense of humor that we vibe with. And I just love being in the studio with him. It was really cool to watch him work like and like really zone in on uh, Pro Tools and stuff because I'm interested by, by that stuff. But it was also just fun to like, you know, everyone's recording in the main room and me and him would uh turn down for a minute and talk about like obscure shit and like bmx movies from the 80s and like yeah it was pretty cool yeah he's a cool dude <laughs> yeah maybe maybe it's time because i have kurt's number so maybe i need to send him a text to be if, yeah, uh, if he's down to to come on the pod um i read on uh there was a revolver feature of you that um that you're an architect professionally yeah, I'm a, I'm a licensed architect in Massachusetts. Okay. So what's interesting about that when it comes to your music is that um at least in the article it was saying how like um how there's like aspects of your of your professional world that have helped influence your creative side as well. Is there anything that that you want to clarify or talk about there? Yeah, I mean, uh, so before when I was in school, I was in school for architecture. So I, I really didn't, I didn't talk about that much in like earlier stuff. But on this record, Memory Theater, I had a lot of um, basically the the concepts of the Memory Theater was lifted from art history and just history in general. And uh, so I took that concept and like applied it to what we do. And and I used a lot of like construction and architectural terms to kind of build this internal architecture build. of the mind. I know that term. <laughs> That's one. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's just kind of using that language and uh, and uh, like the metaphysical sort of aspects of, of being an architect and putting that into um, the lyrics of this album. So like previously in... In, in other albums and EPs that we've had, I've kind of just talked about, you know, 
societal anxieties, like big things that were happening, like sometimes some political stuff. And um, I was just writing about that and how it sucks, basically, and maybe a couple songs about what we can do about it. Um, but with this record, I wanted to, you know, take those big societal topics and anxieties and maybe kind of take a step back sort of in a way and, and maybe not talk about stuff directly per se, but I wanted to make a record about how we compartmentalize and deal with those things, those social anxieties, uh, political, you know, economical, all the terrible terrible shit that goes on in the world like how we take it in internalize it build around it build ourselves up with it what do we do with that so right. I, I, it, it was a it was a less um direct way of talking about it which i appreciated and i could kind of use those terms you know from my expertise in architecture to to help me say what i wanted to say in that way because mm. it's i i, I kind of struggle with with uh with writing uh lyrics i would say um uh it's it's uh maybe i'm too harsh on myself but it's uh it's uh i i edit them a lot and i have a hard time condensing and editing and and making something as straightforward as it can and i i spent a lot of time on this record um distilling the things that I wanted to say and making them as simple and uh, repeatable as possible because sure. you want to say a lot. People remember very little. <laughs> and and if you want your message to spread, it has to be, you know, able to be digested and, and, and spread out easily. So, uh, mm -hmm. so uh, maybe that comes full circle with the poo poo pee pee video that <laughs> we <laughs> I think it does. <laughs> um, that's our big, our big political message is the poo poo pee pee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you set me up perfectly for a segue in into that. Nice. Um, who who started that? <laughs> Definitely Jesse, our drummer. <laughs> okay, so hardcore Jesse starts it. Was it a joke at a certain go. show that it was like so funny that you kept it going, or because? It, it wasn't happened. just one video. It, it like it, I started <laughs> no. to scroll, and it would it be the poo poo pee pee, but in uh, Boise, and yeah. then the next yeah. one's in Seattle, and then yeah. in Portland. And I'm like, oh, this is the this is the <laughs> this is the thing. So yeah, like, well, it was like yeah, on that tour, it kind of happened as you described it. Like we did it, or Jesse started it one night, and it hit, and it was funny, and it made the other bands laugh. So maybe we did it again, but then like we didn't do it a night, and people were like, hey, "Hey, you didn't do the poo poo pee pee thing? Like, what the hell?" So, and then people expected it, and then like some nights Jesse would switch it up, and uh, I think we were in uh, where was it, Tampa, Florida? Yeah, Tampa, Florida, and uh, we did a uh, these nuts on your chin that went over well in uh, Tampa, Florida. Interesting. Right? Um, so it's almost yeah. like you need to have a specific one for each place that you go to. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. we do. That's a whole like <laughs> B-sides album for the band. <laughs> um, no, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Poo and pee Thank jokes you. are fucking hilarious. 
There's no, there's no way to get around that. And it's like, it's really funny because like you saw that on Instagram, right? Like it just came up on Instagram or whatever. And like Instagram is being real goofy right now. But like, if you post like a six second video doing something goofy, like Instagram takes that and like really sends it out there. Like, I don't know like what they're doing or why that's the case, but it's working out. Like, I guess we've, we've had a, a lot of exposure on like, a couple little clips and stuff on Instagram and TikTok even and stuff like I don't I'm, I'm not really great at those both of those um I do some of it but um Chrissy and Jesse kind of mostly take over that I'm gonna be honest so yeah so uh, we all yeah and the the next question I was about to ask was about that was like was the idea of like being super active online, like kind of out the get go, or was that something where it was like, you know, you guys had maybe one viral poo poo pee pee like moment or whatever, and then it was like, oh, like this shit actually works if we put shit out and 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 people yeah. resonate with it. Um, I think honestly, like the amount, like the frequency to which we post is kind of indicative of how much we tour. Um, you have to post something every night, you know, and they don't show flyers to people and maybe people don't care about flyers like that. So we've gotten creative with what we can take pictures of us with and what we can post and, and how we can. So maybe it's not like something we're immediately thinking about in the moment while we're doing it, but it's definitely helped us to, to do things like that. So like this year we toured, we had hundreds and hundreds of shows. So like we were posting for all that and uh it definitely uh forces you to keep posting something which helps with the outreach but um lately we've been yeah we've been uh trying to think of ways to keep it going um we've had a couple little like cool things pop off and there's always some kid at the show that comes up and was like oh i found out about you guys on instagram i saw you in the sailor moon costume doing that thing or or like <laughs> i saw you from sunny or, or you know it, it's people find out about music in the craziest ways now so yeah. like it, we've seen the results of it it's hard to to not do it anymore or not to think about doing it it's just like when we post the you know six second headbanging clip it's like well what 15 year old's gonna see this and come out to the show and be like it's my first metal show you know <laughs> it happened i'm not even exaggerating because right. it's happened yeah and that's so cool <laughs> like i think the same mentality as far as like um you know okay we're gonna try like we can attract new eyes and ears to our band through multiple means and that could be you know getting filmed by sunny like getting something that like goes a little viral on a specific platform, getting to play a cool fest with a bunch of other bands. Like I think that all nets into um, a really good strategy for any band to take, because I think the same thing applies. I think a lot of people will get like twisted in their head. It's like, it's like once we play, this is hardcore. It's game over. Or once we do, <laughs> once we get filmed by Sonny, it's game over. And it's like, it could be, but it probably is going to give a little bit, but that, you know, runs you dry pretty quick. It's the, we always say, sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. No, no, no. no, no. no. 
Well, I was just gonna say we always say if the train uh if the but if the train stops moving, people get off. So you have to take, you know, that that little spark that you put in people from a sunny video or a little viral thing, and you have to, you know, show them who you are and provide interest. Hmm. So that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. No, I like that analogy of like if the train keeps running, even if it's at like a, a slower pace, because maybe you're in between tours or something, there's still mm -hmm. like a a momentum that's uh that you're trying to keep people engaged off of. Um, Absolutely. I, I think that the point that I was um, trying to say is it's kind of the same thing with like a lot of people put only their eggs um, basket wise into Instagram or just into um, TikTok or something. And like as a creative, I know full well, like being able to spread myself across YouTube across Facebook, across Instagram, like that all nets into a thing because all of these platforms at the end of the day are free for people to use. And mm -hmm. all it takes is one bad feature on Instagram or TikTok to potentially tank the entire platform. And then all the bands that mm -hmm. are only on Instagram are like, oh, what the fuck? And they're like running around and yeah. trying to get things. But like seeing bands now have like multiple counts and they're kind of like, we we do different things on these things, but that's for a greater purpose to be able to um, making sure that we yeah. don't have all of our eggs on one basket and we're spread evenly. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it has definitely, I think it's a net positive, but I mean, I mean, there's the argument to be made that having so much, like constantly having to be um, adapting to these different social medias and having all of them even like kind of removes the the mistake it makes you accessible you know in a way and we love that because we want to be welcoming and op open to people and we like to think that we make ourselves seem like we are that way to people and that is inviting um but like you know with some different forms of art if you will like you know people want that mystery to still be there so like how can you still promote yourself in this day and age and have that still yeah which uh yeah and, and it's not to, to your credit to us though so. yeah and to your credit <laughs> there's like certain people that are like that's not what they crave and i'll, I'll keep um a, a really close friend of mine who plays in a in a very very pop and i'm not just saying this to try to flex it's like i'm just trying to create the context but i'm trying i'm leaving his name yeah. out of it intentionally plays in a very popular uh, hardcore band. Um, and when he was in town last and we were chatting, he was saying how um, like his band has gotten so big, almost like too big that he initially wanted it to be. So now he's it like, can I can't even post about me going to something that's not hardcore related because it, when like there's been times I've showed up to that and people have like, like gone to that event just to meet me and talk about my demo. And I'm like, no, yeah. oh, that's really strange. And so there's a yeah. weird thing where it's like, yes, accessibility is great when it comes to being able to connect with your friends, your your fans uh, and, and make new friends. And, you know, like you guys were easily accessible for me to reach out and, and set up this podcast. Um, but there is always a um, a cost when it comes to that, where it's like, oh, if we got like astronomically big, 
the message requests and the notifications are going crazy and then it becomes a thing where it's like, well, now I'm going to feel weird about us changing our accessibility and then our fans are because they know us for that. So, um, yeah, that's an interesting point of like being able to be aware of that. But I, I have always seen that bands and people in bands that are that are pro accessible when it comes to reaching out and talking always seem to just do way better than people that are just closed off. Yeah, I mean, I, I gravitate towards that, and I hope that people like that about us, too. So mm-hmm. <laughs> try and be, I don't know, I don't get to all the messages, and I, I, I do my best to remember everyone and try and, and, and get to all of them. But uh, I'm glad that uh, I can I can still do that. But yeah. it sounds like a nice problem to have to be so popular. Oh, that, yes, uh... that I think that's the best way to say it. It's it's like it is a nice problem to have to to have people that want to connect with you. Um, so uh, going back to like the the other ways that the band is like you know being aware of like um, uh, addressing the marketing and the advertisement of the band. Something I thought was hilarious. And and I don't know if this is a you or a Chrissy thing, or or a Jesse thing. Um, whenever you guys get hate comments, it's always met with your mom jokes as rebuttals. Oh yeah, and that That's a, is sport. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad you liked that. <laughs> I think that's hilarious because it's like you are coming at to you like that person is coming at you guys with a like a middle school child's level of thought and uh, brain function and you are meeting them, but also destroying them at their own game. In, in my opinion. Hey, I think Chrissy is really good at it. I support her uh, doing that as much as she wants to. <laughs> however, uh, however, uh, however, uh, perhaps at some point it would, would seem like we've become the bully that we uh, so desire to not be. <laughs> you become the, the, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain sort of thing mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck they Batman, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, she's good at it and I support it. And uh, that's like, okay, so you were talking about like what's good for what social medias and whatnot, right? That's Twitter, like in a nutshell. <laughs> I, like, I have a Twitter, it has like, probably like 60 followers or some shit like i never use it i'm really bad at it i don't like it but like that is my that's like when i think of twitter i think of that like <laughs> you suck your mom mm-hmm. <laughs> really. and not, like, and sometimes it's even like friends like who are just outright just saying it to their other friends just being like fuck you you don't know what you're talking about you're an idiot or whatever yeah. it is so. <laughs> for sure um did did you end were was the not the backlash, but if there's any like people that uh did any of these um negative comments or anything that was like negative about um you guys like has that always been apparent in this band's existence or just in the last little while when you know certain videos or certain things would just pop up and just go a little further than just the regular algorithm? Yeah, I mean, oh, I, we we look a certain way, and we we do what we do, and there's a uh, very opinionated people in our genre, so it's always been like a thing for us. But like, I don't know, it feels 
fuels the fire even more sort of right um but i will say now this year in particular like the outreach of sort of bubbled out and like all these random random people like find their way on the page and it and like the insults they have are very perplexing it's like we we posted a picture um we were in new orleans and uh we posted a picture there's like a big andrew jackson sculpture there and uh we just posted a goofy ass picture like flipping it off and our photographer friend jonathan like put in like comic sans on the bottom andrew jackson's a mark ass buster like it was like it was just like a goofy little photo like it wasn't that serious and stuff and we posted it and like somehow like on facebook specifically like it took that in its algorithm and it just went like we went to bed and overnight like the picture had a bunch of likes from people and people being like that's cool but it had all these comments from these like right-wing boomer like parents like like how andrew jackson was great and then like our fans and friends and like some native friends being like oh (laughs) fuck like you should check this out like this was actually really horrible and like xyz and like it was like and then so of course like chrissy couldn't resist and like we were doing like copy like this one guy said this crazy long thing and we made it a copy pasta and we were like copying it and pasting it under all their <laughs> comments to like egg them on and stuff right. and we still use that copy pasta it's a great copy pasta mm-hmm. but um yeah. but yeah like and 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 chrissy's actually picked up on this on like how long are, i i want to yeah. read said coffee pasta if, if that's possible ah yes i i will uh i will try and i if you get a random message from us in the next in the, this evening or, or tomorrow and it looks unhinged that's what you're reading okay like how long ago was that i'm i'm just curious if i could pull it up on the uh, on the on the it's recording definitely possible we've we've posted the picture since probably a few times afterwards but that one in particular i think it was when we were in new orleans in september yeah i think it was september, in september. and it was okay. yeah i'm pretty sure it was it was either the end of august or september but i'm pretty sure it was september okay um but like like how random like these like random yeah. people that have and then like because they don't like what you said about andrew jackson they're like your music doesn't sound like music there's no notes and like like they're not where's the notes and (laughs) so like wild that's real goofy and and that's kind of fun and exciting um now i'm not as as prolific as uh riley from power trip was at trolling the conservative types but i hope to one day maybe be so if we have more uh controversial content that goes off on facebook i'll i'll uh try and uh <laughs> on some fools yeah well yeah I'm, I'm trying to pull it up here because it's like right it seems to be right around the time y'all like released your your record as well or just before yeah, that so i'm was, like yeah i'm going through the uh the announcements there it was just before that just before <laughs> that okay this th- i feel like it, it would be better um shared on the pod versus i just read it after just myself but oh yes absolutely here i gotta I'll, I'll, for our visual people only because i know where it is <laughs> someone liked that photograph so much that at a subsequent show that we played at they made a puzzle out of it and gifted it <laughs> oh what 
yeah <laughs> so there is a a bunch of puzzle wow is that an official piece of merch or just uh, an unofficial that's a bootleg this is on this is unofficial it was just a, a darling fan that uh dar- made this it was really cool <laughs> i i, so I was not gifted this person so i don't remember who or where it was where it was from but <laughs> it's on top of my bookshelf right there so i thought of it that is too <laughs> funny well i am i'm sorry to all the listeners i'm struggling to find it um maybe um maybe um maybe we'll post it in the comments of this podcast as as a i just dm'd it to you oh you did oh Oh, producer jordan coming through that's what i dm'd it two minutes ago but you didn't see the message okay oh but this is the instagram not one not the facebook post we we did a, we did a lot of them. They they just go places now. I don't even <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, here's okay. Here's the pot, copy pasta. Dur, but you can't say all our founding fathers suck. <laughs> oh, there's quite a few of them. That's even one that I forgot about. There was another one where a guy was talking about how he was a lone wolf, and that uh, I it, it it got very it got very deep and and nonsensical but it starts out with i am a lone wolf that was pretty good that was pretty good well yeah there's quite a few yeah it's wild (laughs) that uh that you know you could post something that you're like but like the majority i would hope that the 99.9 percent of our of our fan base hopefully 100 percent all um is on the right side of this conversation um, or, you know, pun intended, but then you post it on Facebook and then it could get shared to one Facebook group and then just explode with a ton of other, Oh yeah. Uh, not right people uh, coming into that conversation. So that's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool. It works in our favor too, in a lot of ways, like one cool page and like, mexico or like fucking frog or or, you know indonesia will share your like little clip and like you'll get all these like fans from there that place you've never been to yeah like all at once that's happened before for us too and uh yeah we we it just uh makes you uh want to go and oh my god i'm so sorry (laughs) it's all good that was um yeah just makes you want to go play more places too Mm -hmm. Um, so aside from like right wing conservative, like, you know, like comments like that, um, are there any other things that, that do any of the other ones get to you where there's anything about like, oh, like this is a real grindcore. What's, what's the deal with this girl (laughs) singing or anything like that? Um, I think it's it's really awesome to see the, uh just again the diversity that like the hardcore air quotes bubble that covers all is is on right now but um there's still unfortunately in 2023 a lot of people that will just keyboard warrior their their shitty opinions on things so i'm just curious if any of that gets to you and how you get through some of that it used to and when we started out it really did but like I don't know. I've heard it all. I've literally, I've heard the craziest shit. Like I've seen the craziest shit. We get, I get crazy DMs too. Like I'm, I'm, I've seen it all. So like I'm over it. Um, I just don't like a lot of times it's 
kind of best if you just don't read shit when it comes out. Like, like for example, like, like if a big video with like lots of views and stuff comes out with your live show, I'll wait a while to read the comments because I know, right? Like, I know there's going to be something in there that probably I won't like or, or that misinterprets who I am or who my bandmates are and stuff um, in a lot of different ways. Um, the reason my parents have taken to watching our YouTube videos and like they do not like this music at all. They don't care for what I do, but they like got very offended and defensive when they read a comment about girls can't be in grindcore. This sucks or whatever. So I'm like, you don't even like this. And you're getting really, really heated about this one random guy. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I mean, I, it's probably just best if you know yourself. Um, if you know yourself and you know, you might get upset and dwell on it for a while. Just don't read them for a while. Like, you're not going to gain anything really significant. Like you can have a friend tell you if people like it or not or whatever. I don't know. Like it's, it's not worth it. Just don't bother. Yeah. Like I, I think it's like, um, there is, there's a little bit of like, it's very rare for someone to give you feedback or criticism and have it come from like a genuine place. Like, it's like, hey, I have X number of years of experience, and, like, I think, you know, you could be doing this better. Like, there are times, like, when I was filming bands, none of those comments were necessarily, I would say 10% of the comments were directed at my filming style. Like, oh, the camera's too shaky or whatever. Um, yeah. But the 90% was, like, of, of the band that I was documenting and archiving for the channel. Um, so inserting the podcast it's a little bit more of a 50 50 split off of people talking about that person in the band and like a specific moment that, that we might cover um, a, a hot take that we might share, but the, you know, there, there's a little bit more criticism on like my interviewing style, how much I'm talking and because it's your product, you know, like, yeah, yeah, totally. And I had to kind of like, really read those comments critically with like is this someone who's like just out to lunch and just wanting to talk some shit or do they actually have a point and i i was looking at um i had cat from scowl on the show a long long time ago and um and i think the top comment and i'm and i'm saying this publicly because i i think other people could get some value out of it is like um Oh, interviewer just likes to interview himself. And and I and I I watched it back and I was like, Whoa. nope. I there was times maybe I like wanted to share more and you know, Kat was like apologizing off of her talking too much, which I was which I dispelled immediately. I was like, you should not need to apologize. My style for this show is I've allowed people just to like talk aimlessly and then it becomes like not a enriching conversation if i know that if i'm bored i'm sure the listener is bored as well so yeah you know there's a lot of times people start talking and then they don't know where it's gonna go and then they just are like well i'm stuck with this yeah which <laughs> you know to be fair there's definitely been times where i've been like i listened back at like earlier episodes of like oh like i don't even know what i was trying to say in that in that section but i feel like you know i don't want to just sit on a call here and be like Here's my point by point 
you know, discussion with you off of your music and your band and what you're doing, like, I enjoy being able to have a back and forth and being able to like dig deeper onto something that you might say. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's, uh, at the end of the day, it's just the fucking comment section. And like most of those people you will never meet in, in your regular life anyways. So <laughs> fuck them. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And like, whatever in the end, you know, yeah, just not worth it. Not yeah. worth it for uh, for your yourself or for your creativity or uh, for your uh, spirit in a lot of ways. So right, uh, yeah, yeah. Things that are good for your spirit. Um, I saw a video that someone was yo-yoing at one of your shows. <laughs> yeah, that was the last show of our tour. It was cold as shit. So uh, as long as they were staying warm. Yeah, that was in Kansas City. <laughs> And we all know the best way to stay warm is (laughs) yo-yoing. Yeah, Kansas City uh, throws down in in a very special way. Um, (laughs) Like I, I, people were just like absolutely annihilating. It was freezing. It was absolutely freezing at that show. People were like taking their friends and like like dive bombing that mission. It was like insane. I've never seen that shit. Like. I know now it's kind of a, you know, let's see the next craziest thing that can happen in the pit and whatnot. Right. Uh, but uh, Yo Yo is definitely up there. He was uh, he was very cool. Yeah. And I appreciate it. I've, and uh, I've seen a I lot of things. Yo Yo. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 you go. Yeah, you go. <laughs> like he was, he was yo yoing with it. I think he was like perhaps circle pitting with the yo yo or walking oh. in that fashion. Like walk the dog the with the yo yo. Yeah. <laughs> circle. Yeah. And uh, he dropped it, or and uh, and like it was kind of like running to get the yo-yo so it wouldn't get stomped on right. uh, in the pit, as if it were like an actual human being that you needed to lift up in the <laughs> and make sure they weren't okay. Like everyone was very concerned. Yeah. So I, I'm sure I his urgency <laughs> showed that it wasn't just like a five dollar yo-yo that he picked up at a, at a at a, a budget toy store. I'm sure he's paid a pretty penny for that yo-yo. Oh yes. Oh, well, on the okay, on the flip side of the yo-yo, though, <laughs> we went to uh, well. So we just got back from a fifty-day tour with uh, the band Exhumed from California, and they're awesome. And, and, and we were so grateful to have them add us onto that tour last minute. But while we were on that tour, we went to like a J.C. Penny, which I didn't know those still existed. And uh, Jesse got a RC car there. And oh, um, okay. <laughs> and so. And so similar to the yo-yoing, Jesse, uh, during Exhume set a few times, was taking the RC car and uh, driving around in the pit, like making it do circle pits. And it was like a flippy car and stuff. And like everywhere people were like, yeah, wow, cool. We did it from like Brooklyn to like, like probably like 10 dates of this. And everyone was like laughing. Ha ha. That's cool. In <laughs> Orlando, Florida, this one guy got so upset over that RC car's existence. And he was like, he was letting it happen for a while. And then he got frustrated. I didn't see this happen firsthand. Jesse told me all about it, but he like picked up the RC car and threw it against the wall and stuff. It was like, and so three times that happened actually. And oh. so then he, so Jesse has like grabbed the car and was like, Hey, chill, stop it. Like, what are you doing like like he like you know the first know, time it's like okay cool. 
you don't like our you know an rc ki- car kills your family we get it but then to do it two times like over that like they got a guy in a surgical like outfit like pouring blood and stuff like it's it's goofy like already like it's cool it's cool like the rc car i felt fit the situation but the guy was like so pissed off he's like stoked off to the bar and was like talking shit about it like the whole time at the bar he was like <laughs> at the bar like so pissed off about this rc car the guy's claiming like, <laughs> the pint glass oh yeah mm. so uh, that's another that's another favorite pit pit story yeah. rc car in the pit <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure that guy went home and laid in bed being like did i actually just get mad at an rc car at a at a at a grind show i need to i need to get my life in order probably writing the manifesto about it right now he's probably uh, oh no 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 i shouldn't say something (laughs) yeah yeah maybe not he's probably he's he's probably writing a very strongly worded angry letter to that rc car company i was at a show that one of your products was at and it ruined my night and i have 30 instagram follow okay yeah yeah now we're now we're going off on on too much of a tangent um out of all the touring that you did in 2022 is there any other pit stories or or, or or funny pit moments that you would like to share oh my goodness yeah like 2022 was the year of like the the quirky pit moment i feel like <laughs> outside of our we had turd style was that not this year where someone dropped a deuce in the pit yep. that was pretty iconic um but yeah so, so i hope that's- i hope someone fesses up to that one day I, they will. They'll tell their grandchildren about it. No, I know. want that person to come on this podcast to talk. If you're listening and that's your shit, get at me. Hit my line. Do not hit my line. You need to have proof because I know I'm going to get DMs and be like, oh, it was me. And I'm like, no, there's no way. Oh, I love it. Um, well, for our our shows, we had some fun hit memory so we went to europe for the first time this year and like europeans dance quite differently to we do they call it like american style dancing whenever you hardcore dance it's cute um but yeah we were playing like a lot of like grindcore stuff and like we were hardcore dancing for that like because we were usually the last band we were the last band that was on every night so we were like dancing for the other bands like hardcore dancing and so i got people hype and they started like doing it and that's not the norm for european shows so that was really cool to see but um there's this one thing that they do over there that's so funny to me they like one if someone like really likes what's going on on stage one person will get up on the stage and they'll start like rowing like oh. they're in the boat and then the other guy will get behind them and they'll all start and there's like a whole line and so then when the once the line gets big enough then they'll have a, a another person run and jump on top of the line and get pushed down the line and it becomes a conveyor belt of, of sorts we like that we saw a lot of that at obscene extreme um scene extreme we had (laughs) this one dude was so fucking cool like he was really awesome i chatted with him afterwards but in this video um i didn't know he did this because (laughs) but, but when i was talking to him but in the video we saw later he got up on stage right by the monitor, like the stage monitor, and everyone knows how kind of big those are. They're not like super big, but he became the size of that monitor and he like put his legs behind his head and his head 
like under up to his butt. I don't even know how he did it, but he contorted himself into a pretzel and was like, like had one fist out and was like going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like as a pretzel. And like, we took a little clip of that and we called him pretzel man and people <laughs> shared him all over the place. He was really cool. Oh, wow. And, uh, he was awesome. He came up after like the set and was like, I loved you guys. And then he's like, want to smoke? And everyone over there smokes. Uh, Only if like, you're smoking in that pretzel uh, shit that you did earlier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he was like, I want to smoke a spliff, and I don't smoke spliffs. So he MacGyvered a bong out of like found objects and, and, and made a bong so that we could Who have a hit together. Man? It was Who is Pretzel Man? Just Pretzel. An incredible Israeli grindcore lover. <laughs> well, shout out well, to Pretzel great. Man if you're li- if you're listening. Uh, you you left an impact on people through your uh, flexibility Absolutely. and your MacGyver ness. Um, and if it's any indication of how fucked our world is, like people had shit to talk about Pretzel Man too. So like, <laughs> just you know, if you get hate on the internet, just know you could be the most purest coolest soul like pretzel man and still get some hate so <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately hate is gonna hate um pretzel man just wants to live um it's uh before we start to wrap up katarina um when you think about yeah. this new record it's not even a year old as far as you know it being out and i'm sure um the year outside of the napalm death tour that y'all are doing uh in february right that's that's when that's happening yep yeah so i'm sure uh well that's it cool so um what is your what is maybe the one thing that you're hoping to manifest uh for for the for the band for not only the band but yourself as well whether that's already on the books or things that you're hoping come to fruition um in this year to come yeah, um, a lot of it is on the books and I can't talk about it right now. But so we're so, so excited and grateful for that. Like Our year is really like filling out. It's pretty much almost all booked out. So we're doing as many shows as we can, as much as we can. Um, gosh, what can I say? What can I say? Um, it's for for me personally, and I, I the others can speak to what drives them and what's exciting uh, for them. But um, of course we want to play all cool festivals and whatnot, but for us, it's all about going places we haven't been before. And I don't really care where that is like on this last tour and this last year of touring, we hit like small towns and whatnot that we've never played before. Um, And they were some of the greatest shows we've ever had. Like, and there are places that we've gone back to like two months later and like it's been even bigger crowds and even more fun. So like mm-hmm. care where it is, like we want to go there. Obviously I want to go like Japan and like Australia and like and play like shows in Southeast Asia. Cause like they really fucking care about what we do heavy music and they really support a lot of like underground American bands, but like, it's not easy to go over there and to play. So a lot of the people there don't get to see American bands a lot. So we want to do that. We want to go there, um, Mexico, South, South America, definitely. So as many different places as we, we can go, we want to, and and we want to see all, all sorts of towns, small towns, big towns, rural as we played in a cornfield and it was lit. So I'm cool with that. <laughs> like <laughs> right well i hope western canada where i'm based is maybe on, yes. on that list um whether that's this year or next um 
if if there's any interest there, um, you know, I got the people to help make that happen. Um, no. The last section of this podcast, Katarina, and this is something I ask every single guest who comes on the show, and every single time we end a, an episode with this, tell me a favorite mosh-related story. And so that could be wholesome, funny, gruesome, uh, something that happened to you, something that just happened at a show you were attending, whatever's the first thing to your head mosh-wise. Mosh mm. Mm-hmm. Of the many, of the many, I will say. Um, There's always oh, too many such to a choose bummer. I know. I don't want to end with a bummer, but it's kind of like the when you said mosh story, I always think about this first because I'm like, Ugh. but like when I was young, I was at a show and like the pits were really intense back then. I was um, late teens, like probably like 19 or something like that. No, I was 18. I was 18. And uh, I was definitely 18. And, uh, you know, I saw like the pit was getting extreme and we have SSU shit. And at the time that was like shit that was going down and like people were starting to fight. So I was like, oh, I'm getting out of here. And uh, like the second I turned my back, like someone hit me from behind and I like smashed my entire face. Like I got so fucked up and like the venue didn't give a shit. And the people that were there didn't give a shit. And like, like it was just an awful experience. So like every time I hear Mosh, I'm like, just like, okay. like that, like I want to mosh and like i was still like beat up like i was moshing right mm. that's so depressing i don't want to talk about that but flip it reverse it miss elliot it um <laughs> that moment though that i had like was something i don't know it like it like lit something in me that i like want to do something about this like i want to be a part of this like for real for real though like mm -hmm. as soon as i was like better and stuff i want to like from that point on it was and i'm not like advocating for like safe space things or you have to do things this way or you have to you know keep your spaces this way or whatever whatever form that takes for your community that's fine but like for me ever since that happened to me i wanted to take that experience and and make shows better for everyone and like everyone that includes people that dance that includes people that don't dance like mm -hmm. on this last one we did um like i noticed that a lot of the venues like we were having um fans that were coming out that were in wheelchairs and stuff and there was nowhere for them to go to like watch the bands right and like i was like wow that lit another spark in me to like want to make shows better for for them and that affects my life too. Mom's been in wheelchair all my life, so I like always think about that. But like, never in a show setting was I really thinking about stuff like that. Yeah. So there's always going to be something that you find, no matter what story it is, that you can make better by you implementing something for your community, for shows, even while you're on the road. Um, so that's kind of been a philosophy of mine personally since that experience that I had when I was younger. And uh, and uh, although it's like a bummer and it really fucked me up and it like fucked my face up bad uh i got over it um i was fortunate that i had support to get over it and uh it like made me want to do something about it so like hope you don't have to get punched to do something about <laughs> it but some of us need to get punched to do something about yeah, their no. situation so yeah i appreciate you know it even though it's not something I wish on on anyone to to have a a a mosh injury that um, 
results in them having to do a hospital visit or or anything like that like obviously like the the type of music that we play is in within that like there's going to be violence there's going to be craziness there's going to be like you have to be in tune with your spidey senses but naturally things go wrong yeah. and you know people get hit people have clothing ripped off of them like unexpectedly um and i'm only thinking of that because um during the time of recording this um fya fest in florida is happening and uh colin yeah. young who's been on the show before um i guess oh, nice. he was he was stage diving to uh to gridiron and like just fully ripped his like really expensive camel pants fully open so oh, no. <laughs> i was just like thinking about it he's like it happens so um but all that to be said i do like how you ended and connected it all with like if there's a change that you want to see or something that inspires you, instead of just complaining about it or posting about it or talking shit about it for years to come and just being this grumpy old jaded hardcore person doing something about it, whether it's like, okay, I'm going to like say something in between my set when it comes to that, that wheelchair scenario that you were mentioning, or there's things that I can do with my band or like, I'm going to start my own venue where we have like things in place where we're like, we're setting up, a good show that's going to have mosh, but it's going to be like contained in a way where we can shut, shut it down. If things are getting just unnecessarily violent. Um, it's the same thing for me when, you know, I was growing up in a scene where, because Western Canada is kind of spread out and lots of tourists didn't come here. It was like, well, I could sit about this and just complain about it forever. Or I could do something about it. I'm going to start filming shows and showcase that we do have a scene. So hopefully bands exactly. and, uh, and, and booking people want to change that. And that's, that's been doing that shit for five years now. And I'm only starting to see the fruits of my labor and the labor of everyone else who's helped me with this project of like, Oh, like people actually talk about Western Canada now. And that's just like the overarching goal with this project is like be able to you know, to talk to someone, but like still connect that back to Western Canada. So if getting you on the podcast to talk about your band helps in time, get your Wait. band to come tour here. I call that a big fat dub for us. So hell yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going, um, we're going to, we're going to Canada, Western Canada. Yeah, baby. Mark your fucking <laughs> calendars. Um, so, uh, Katarina, all the band links and your links will be in the description and in the show notes and all that awesome. good shit. Um, if there's anyone you want to shout out, shout out anything you want to send the people off with or anything you want to end on, the floor is yours. Um, thank you, first of all. This was awesome. It was really cool doing, like, a long, awesome interview, and I appreciate that, and, like, it, I'm so grateful. Um, I guess in terms of shout outs, you know, you got all the links there. Uh, you know where to find us but uh i have to give a special shout out to our label we got signed to a label this year and they're awesome not everyone knows their name specifically but uh you know a lot of the acts that they have on their roster and there's uh signing a lot of really cool upcoming bands so like if you like us and uh you like bands that hustle like us bands that kind of sound like us sometimes kind of don't like because not everyone is the same on monarch heavy is the label so mnrk is our label and they're awesome and we love our label mates and i we am is been on able monarch, to right yeah yeah i am uh creeping death another band we got a shout out uh callous dow boys they're they're cool uh we love them we want to tour with them too 
uh, Hatebreed and Judas Priest are on our label. So like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, I am his, uh, his great friends uh, of Scoped. And uh, I, nice. I remember talk, talking with Andrew because I was like, didn't y'all get signed to a label? But like, and then he told me a little bit about the name change and all that. So I'll definitely include yeah. Monarch um, and their link in the description as well. Um, Katarina, great conversation. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Likewise, dude. Thank you.